Hello, and welcome to the show, Living with Climate Change. Uh, today's episode is called Lessons from the Montreal Protocol. And there are many lessons to be learned from that uh, international treaty, but I think that it relates uh, directly uh, to our uh, a situation with climate change and trying to pass uh, a global uh, treaty and having difficult with that. Uh, and it's very inspiring and enthusiastic. And I think that a lot of people don't know about it. They, or they don't, they don't think about it. And I think it should be brought up uh, uh, as much as possible uh, because it was so successful. And um, the other importance of it is that we, with this action, we have a real world uh, example of, of looking at how human activity affected our atmosphere. And we had scientific uh, knowledge of this and we were warned by scientists. And we took action with the precautionary principle, which we'll talk about, and it was correct and the threat was for the most part stopped so let's just do a, a quick review of the montreal protocol uh, i find it very interesting and uh, really relates to to climate change a lot um, in 1973 scientists uh, discovered uh, cfc's that are it's a you know it's a non-toxic non-flammable chemical uh, and it was used in uh, refrigerants and air conditioners and hairspray and spray paint and all these things uh, a man-made substance uh, but the emissions from those from cfc's the gaseous cfc emissions uh, when they are released into the atmosphere uh, they deplete the ozone layer that is in the stratosphere. And as you probably know, the ozone layer uh, protects us uh, from uh, harmful UV radiation in A, B, and C UV radiation that is in high dosages can be very harmful for plants, animals, uh, people, uh, skin cancer can cause blindness and so that really protects our our life on earth so that's another uh, that's another part of our atmosphere that is very delicate and important and uh, just basically the science of it uh, the reason is because uh, CFCs they have highly reactive uh, sub, uh, uh, atoms of chlorine and bromine and these if you remember from your periodic uh, table of elements uh, these are very highly reactive gases 
and they break down ozone, O3, ozone molecules, uh, uh, and they last a long time, and they're sort of very, very dangerous on depleting the ozone layer, and uh, and uh, so, and it, it actually created an ozone hole in '85. They discovered that, and and then the Montreal Protocol was a, a an international environmental treaty to phase out CFCs. And so it was a very quick response. They, you know, they discovered this in 1973, and by by 1987, they had an international agreement to phase these out. Um, now, let's look at. So, any, but so the Montreal Protocol. Um, you know, it's been ratified by all members of the United Nations, 197 members. So it's a landmark. It's maybe considered the most successful international treaty uh, ever, not even an environmental treaty. And as we have seen now that the ozone depletion uh, slowed down dramatically, it, it's, it still is maybe becoming a problem. That's uh, another topic. But it's, this is a very successful uh, agreement. And uh, you wonder why they were agreed on that and they, we cannot agree on, uh, on carbon dioxide. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I must say that that time, that late 80s, uh, there also, there was this uh, report called the Brunt, the Brundtland Report, I think it's called, and it was, uh, it's, it's, it's known as Our Common Future, and it's a great report that was put together by the UN and, uh, in 87. And it's still, we still have that, um, the definition of sustainable development comes from that. And it's a, it's a, a magnificent study and report. And it's such, such a shame that we did not follow that globally. Um, anyway, that's a thing to look into. Um, so that is what they did. And uh, another thing I want to talk about, uh, I've mentioned, is this, uh, this idea of the precautionary principle that I've mentioned that is what they used in the Montreal Protocol um, and the Kyoto Protocol, I believe, but we don't hear that much about it anymore. So it is... I, it's kind of intuitive that you probably know what it means, uh, but it's about taking action on something that is high risk in the future. And so it's taking precaution doing on something that, that could be irreversible or uh, very devastating. And, uh, and it's taking action even though there is 
uncertainty. So, for instance, that you have models predicting things. And so the precautionary principle can be a weak precaution to a strong precaution. And this is in legislation and law and things like that. It's a common uh, term, but, but they use that. And it's clearly what this relates to climate change now, because we have models and we can't, they're not always right. Uh, but so this is what they used in the Montreal Protocol. And like I said, this is a very successful uh, agreement and that, that led to action and it phased out CFCs. Um, and now we have these HCFCs that uh, I, I think that they may try to phase those out. But this was very, um, this was a very uh, a serious thing. But, you know, I remember when I was a young boy and, uh, and hearing about this and just shaking my head like, you know, like, how could they know this? <laughs> Uh, you know, it, from spray paint and things like that are going to destroy the atmosphere. I thought that was a, a weird thing. Uh, but so the lessons of this are that we can come together and agree on things that are scientific, that deal with our environment, that are unsure of and have uncertainty. And now let's look at, let's discuss why the Montreal Protocol was passed and it was an action was taken in a very short period, 1973 to 1987, already in action and on the move. And why carbon dioxide that we cannot agree on climate change uh, treaty. And uh, I find this is, uh, kind of leads to a, an, an interesting uh, discussion. So let's look at that now. Well, I think that we probably all know, uh, but let's look back. Now the CFCs that did, it was kind of scary it, it seemed as an imminent threat and because, you know, people thought that the sun was just going to burn them up and cause them to go blind and give them cancer, skin cancer. And uh, obviously that is if you tell the public that they will get pretty scared. I think that's. I would say that that's more scary than telling them that uh, that the temperatures are going to get warmer. But obviously, we're, the scientists are telling them much, much more. And he, and uh, I, I, I could you can argue that they are telling them about the same stuff. It's, that it is as an imminent threat. 
as CFCs was. But also, so let's look at this, uh, and you, so you can you know, always follow the money. Um, my understanding of the Montreal Protocol, uh, and it may be a cynical view of this, but I uh, we went into this a lot in one of the uh, climate law class I had, that it was really the economics of it, that Dow Chemical Company uh, I believe they thought they could make, they could do this easily and make more money. But it was a quite a shift in uh, in industry, I would imagine. But that's, I'm not saying that's what it was, but it might have been. Um, So that, but so we that was a successful uh, environmental treaty. Um, now, as you can imagine, why would this? Why would the president of the United States not agree to this? Uh, which is quite odd. But why would it not easily be adopted with binding? Uh, convictions, uh, you know, um, instead of voluntarily, and and be phased. Why wouldn't CO two be phased out? Well, it's clear, you know, it's it's because of this carbon lock in, and it's all our our energy is all tied to fossil fuel that that emit CO two, and that's the problem. So anyway, this is just uh, the rest of it you can think about and comment, raise questions. Uh, but we have this incredible, successful example that is a real world example. And I think uh, I don't hear this being used as an argument to to move forward as fast as you can on climate change. So I, I hope that I can bring this up, that it will come back into the, the conversations of climate change policy. Because this, now, in my opinion, it the science behind the Montreal Protocol is, is, is almost more complicated, maybe, than, than the, the, glow, the, the greenhouse effect, which is the basis of the science behind climate change. And yet this was, uh, this was uh, they acknowledged it and they took the precautionary principle and they didn't question the science. Now, if the science behind global warming and the greenhouse effect was as, as not just a little more, a little more harder to, to, to believe for the average person that's not a scientist, 
that I imagine climate change wouldn't be talked about very much. <laughs> but this raises questions. So now back to the precautionary principle. The only reason you would not follow that is that if your actions that you took now were more devastating than the future, the uncertainty that uh, uh, in the future that might happen, meaning if you, let's for instance say that if you just, if you just stopped all electricity and all fuel consumption uh, immediately, in the United States, that it would cause such havoc that it would be worse than the projections of climate change. I mean, that's an argument, but we're not in that position, really. I mean, it, we. It is not going to be devastating to hardly anyone. To, to reduce energy use. We're so advanced and we have such a comfortable life that the sacrifices on the, the developed countries and most of the world is not going to be devastating on people's livelihoods. I don't, I don't see how. Now, if you're in Africa and you're in uh, or India and you're in villages and provinces that have no electricity and are suffering poverty and high uh, birth rate and it's just bad all around. Now, they need basic electricity for lights to read at night and things like that for education. That I understand, but the rest of the world, we can, you know, uh, I just don't think that the problem has been presented well enough to the public. I just did. And I, and that's maybe why you have such a constant, uh, uh, bleak uh, predictions that are being published, but, and then at the same time you have the mainstream that they don't want to talk about climate change. So this is a very hard problem. And of course, I've mentioned uh, not getting panicky and freaking out over what may come because I don't think it's going to help anybody because we have to live with this. And so the whole thing is quite complicated and, and dynamic. Uh, but I, I just wanted to, to bring this up um, because I think it's a, it, it just a very uh, an important example. It's a, it's a promising um, example of global cooperation and success in these things. And uh, I think we should use it as a model, and uh, and I think they are. 
And many people know this, but again, many people don't. So that's, uh, I think that'll be uh, it for this show. And I hope uh, I've raised some questions and, uh, and uh, some uh, understanding of our past uh, international treaties and what we can do and the success we can have. And the Montreal Protocol was a great one. And we have many lessons to learn from that that we can use going forward in climate change negotiations that I hope uh, politicians will they maybe bring this up. And uh, on another note, uh, a final note, uh, this will be the, the last show at, at this location that I'm at. And it's going to kind of wrap up uh, ah, the first season of the show. And I will start posting uh, the shows now. And I haven't really done that. I, I'm like creating this uh, show, this season, a pilot series, kind of the way I think about it, you know, old TV. And... Uh, and I will start posting it and I will see if anybody cares about it and, and they like it and they watch it and we will see. And if they do, I will continue it. And if you like the show and it's uh, worth anything to you, uh, you know how you can support um, the development of this show. So uh, I think that uh, we will wrap it up today. And I will see you again at a different location. And I look forward to it. And I've enjoyed this, uh, this whole uh, experience of me uh, uh, creating this little show. And uh, in a way, it's, uh, you know, I'm working it out together. And uh, because it's tough. This is a... This is a very, uh, a very hard thing to deal with on so many levels. And, uh, I, and I hope that, uh, you know, when you do things together, it's easier. So uh, I thank you for joining me if you have and uh, look forward to kind of a season two of uh, living with climate change. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we'll see you next season. Bye-bye.